Well, right now, we're thinking a lot about death. Here's what I mean. The Catholic Church devotes November, as I said a few moments ago, to praying for those who have gone before us. We start the month with All Saints Day, when we celebrate those who are in heaven. All Souls Day on the 2nd, we pray for those who may be in purgatory. That's why we now light these candles uh, for those who've died over the last year. But in fact, as I said, all of November especially, we devote more prayer to help the poor souls. And of course, who can fail to notice Halloween, right? Uh, on the eve of All Saints Day this year, uh, you know, tomorrow, it entails a lot of you know, those fake, silly tombstones with funny names on them in people's front yards, or the ghosts hanging around, or the cobwebs uh, decorating people's homes. All these different ways that maybe we take a little bit of a less serious take on death. But the truth is, we are all really going to die. And when God brings or allows that day to arrive for each of us, it's a scary and difficult time. How are we going to endure the physical difficulties? Will we find ourselves among the saints celebrated in heaven? Will we suffer in purgatory for a time? Will we find ourselves excluded from God's presence forever in hell? After death, we each face judgment for how we've lived here, and our final destination then is forever set. So last moments in a person's life on earth then, they're important. They are the last chance for the evil one to tempt us away from faith in God. As the Council of Trent put it, our adversary, the devil, seeks and seizes occasions throughout our whole life to devour our souls in any manner. Yet there is no time when he strains more vehemently all the powers of his cunning to ruin us utterly and, if possible, to make us lose even faith in the divine mercy than when he perceives the end is near. The same sentiment is echoed in 1 Peter 5, which warns us to be sober and vigilant. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him steadfast in faith. That's frightening, right? But the thing is, the faithful are not alone. In these moments, we've been talking about the seven sacraments over the last months, and I hope that we can see that Jesus has given us the sacraments to help us at every moment of life. Our life of faith began in baptism. It's strengthened in confirmation. When we go astray during life and sin, we come back and are forgiven in confession. When we discern God's calling in life, we are empowered through matrimony or holy orders, to live out that calling. And all along the way, we are fed and nourished with Jesus himself in the Holy Eucharist. And then eventually, as we reach the end of our days here on this earth, Jesus is there too, helping us with the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. It shouldn't surprise us Jesus gives us a sacrament for the sick and dying. After all, he frequently healed people in the Gospels. In this sacrament, the anointing of the sick, he continues to do just that. So today, I'm first going to talk about the history, maybe a little the biblical basis for the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. I'll list its effects, what it does. I'll talk about who the sacrament is for and when and how it should be celebrated. 
So first, the biblical basis for the anointing of the sick. Well, as Jesus healed people, he often touched them, right? He, this sacrament likewise involves a laying on of hands, a touch from the priest. The sacrament also involves, as its name suggests, an anointing. Anointing means like a rubbing or a smearing, in this case, of oil. And that's fitting because oils of various kinds, they have medicinal qualities. Uh, Oil in scripture, as well as in our other rites like baptism and confirmation and ordination, they symbolize the work of the Holy Spirit. It's fitting then that when Jesus gave us this sacrament for the sick and the dying, he did it in a way that requires an anointing with oil from a priest. The Catechism points out that this sacred anointing of the sick was instituted by Christ our Lord as a true and proper sacrament. It is alluded to, indeed, by Mark, but is recommended to the faithful and promulgated by James the Apostle and brother of the Lord. In the letter of James, we read this. Is anyone sick among you? He should summon the priests of the church, and they should pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven them. So right there, pretty clear reference to the sacrament of the anointing of the sick in the Bible. And the priests of the church have been doing this in all of the centuries since Jesus walked the earth. And when priests do anoint someone, what does it do? What do we get when we receive the sacrament of the anointing of the sick? Well, the catechism lists five things. First, it says, it gives us the uniting of the sick person to the passion of Christ for his own good and and that of the whole church. So the, the sacrament, this means, helps the person offer up what they're enduring in that difficult time, pain and suffering, as a participation in Jesus' own saving work there on the cross. It helps a person find meaning in what they're going through. Secondly, the Catechism says, it gives strength, peace, and courage to endure in a Christian manner the sufferings of illness or old age. And this I have personally seen. I've seen people physically relax and find peace after receiving this sacrament in their last moments. And I've heard numerous people tell me that if they, you know, if they survived the ordeal after an anointing, um, that it helped them in this way. So I really believe that it does work. Thirdly, this sacrament forgives sins if the person can't get to confession. You know, in their last moments, people often aren't up to speaking, right, or thinking clearly about their sins. But this sacrament will forgive their sins if they can't go to confession in the usual way. And this is why priests are the only ones who can celebrate the anointing of the sick. As I talked about last week, priests are the ones who are empowered by Christ through their ordination to forgive sins. Fourthly, this sacrament can give the restoration of physical health if it's helpful for the person's salvation, for the salvation of their soul. And this, it really can heal people. And I've had people tell me that their physical problems have at times gone away after I have celebrated this sacrament for them. Although 
That is, I will admit, rather rare. And fifthly, finally here, there is a preparation for passing over to eternal life. So if the anointing of the sick doesn't physically heal a person, it at least prepares them to die and to enter into eternity well. I know that, if possible, I certainly want this sacrament myself right before I go. So that's what the sacrament does. Unites us with the suffering Christ. Strengthens us to endure our illnesses and offer it up. Forgives our sins, if we can't go to confession. Restores our health, if it's going to be good for our eternal life. And finally, it prepares us for death. But who is the sacrament for? Well, I began the talk by talking today about that moment before death. And that is a very important time to receive the anointing of the sick. Now, if we die suddenly, say, we can't get the anointing, well, we know God isn't limited by the sacraments. But we do know the sacrament works. So ideally, ideally, one would receive confession, anointing of the sick, and the Holy Eucharist. Three sacraments at once, just before dying. That's the way I want to go out, right? Sometimes those three together have been called the last rites. The anointing of the sick used to be called extreme unction, or last anointing. And it was only given to those who were just about to pass away. Recently, though, in more recent decades, the sacrament has been offered not just to those who are actively dying, but to all those who are seriously ill. As the Catechism puts it, the proper time for receiving this holy anointing has certainly arrived when the believer begins to be in danger of death because of illness or old age. So if somebody has just like a common cold but they're otherwise healthy. This isn't really the sacrament for you at that time. But if someone is going to have risky surgery, or if there's any risk at all, really, I recommend they receive this sacrament. So when, though, when should we call a priest to have this sacrament? Well, it's good to call, say, before a person goes into the hospital for a serious surgery, um, or early on, if someone is battling a serious illness, even if they're not anticipating you know, to die, if it's a serious illness, they can receive the sacrament. And also, it can be repeated. So if a person recovers, but then they get sick again later, they can be anointed again. It's not like baptism or, or marriage you know, that can only really usually happen once. right? And also, if a person's anointed, but they... They live for a while, and their sickness worsens as time goes on. They can receive the anointing of the sick again. And as someone is nearing the end of life, I just encourage people, contact a priest early enough that the person can still make a good confession, receive the Holy Eucharist, and the anointing of the sick. But here's the thing to remember, too. It's never too late to receive the anointing of the sick as long as the person is still alive. All the sacraments are for the living. So once a person has died, the priest can come and offer prayers, which may be great and helpful, but he can't offer the anointing of the sick. So, in short, if there's a possibility, you know, don't delay. And I would say, too, never assume that your priest knows that uh, 
you or someone you love is sick or in the hospital or dying. Privacy laws, hospital policies, especially now with COVID, it makes it very difficult for us to know who is in a hospital if a family doesn't notify us. And if you're in a hospital and you want a priest to visit you or a family member that's in the hospital, call the priest directly. You know, don't assume he's going to know. And if you're far from home, like in Rochester or Fargo, and you don't know who the priests are, and I'm like far away, well, tell the nurses or the staff, and they can, they can get a hold of a priest for you, somebody nearby that can get there. But again, even if you're far away, you can call me directly, and I can try to offer guidance or help if, if it's possible. And lastly then, so when you do call, what's the sacrament look like? How do we celebrate it? Well, depending on the circumstances, the rite can be really short or it can be longer. It can involve more or less prayers or more or less readings from Scripture. It's very flexible because the circumstances at the end of life are often very different. They can even allow, as happened for me once, a priest to kind of literally just in an ambulance bay in the hospital, like when the EMTs just kind of step aside for me to just reach in there and in just a few seconds offer them the sacrament. Or in a hospital room where it's quiet, you know, and the family's gathered around, it can be extended. It can include long litanies of prayers to the saints, lots of readings from scripture, which is also very beautiful. But the essential part of the ritual involves the priest anointing the sick or dying person on the forehead, saying, through this holy anointing, may the Lord in his love and mercy help you with the grace of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then on the hands, saying, May the Lord who frees you from sin save you and raise you up. Amen. And the oil that he anoints, that he rubs onto the person, is the oil of the sick. It's olive oil that's been blessed by the bishop at the Chrism Mass each year and distributed to all the parishes. Uh, we keep some in the ambry, that cabinet back there, um, on the wall by the sacristy, which says holy oils on it. I also have some in my car for emergency use. I never know when I'm going to need it, right? Um, so that's what it is. So as we face every stage of life, Jesus still accompanies us and helps us. The final trials of illness and death are no different. Jesus is right there with us especially in the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. We should all desire to have the assistance of this sacrament as we struggle with illness and eventually, as we all will, death. Amen.